Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Listeners, you're tuned in to another episode of Shocking Lurid Tawdry, a history of American scandal. I'm your co-host, Mark Pikert. And I'm your other co-host, Casey Howe. Welcome to the show, everyone. I can't wait to hear the story that you have to tell, Casey. And also, uh, we are recording this for the first time with me in uh, back in New York. Back in the Big Apple. So who knows what this sound quality is going to be. Not a clue. As I listen to a, um, what I can only imagine is a giant truck going by outside my window. So yeah, I really appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and apologize for that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, better you than me. Well, you know, could have been gardening day. We could have gotten that. So, you know, it happens. It happens. (laughs) But I'm excited. Uh, This is your week. I know because this is the first episode we're recording today and you have to go first. We learned that the hard way the other day. <laughs> sure did. Sure did. Yep. Mm-hmm. You uh, learned. But, we're, but look at us. We learned. We didn't try and power through. We just said, nope, that didn't feel right. And we took a hard U-turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd have a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> well, it happens. Then isn't that the scandal? Oh, so true. So true. Uh, So I assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you already know the premise, which is we don't give a fuck about (laughs) Monica Lewinsky. And we don't really care about the Real Housewives. We're here to talk about, we're here to talk about the scandals that you should know about because they're interesting. Yes. And impactful. They leave a legacy. There's a history there. Or there's not. And we do a lot of research. Or they're just salacious, and we think you should know who everybody was sleeping with. So there uh, you go. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm thinking of the Rex Harrison episodes. Oh, those are great. Those are great. Sexy Rexy. That's well, I can't wait because I feel like we are maybe due for a sexy. No, we're not due for a sexy scandal from you. No, no. So I'm I'm we're going, we're going back in time for this one. I also, someone asked me the other day, they said, so do you do like international scandals? And I said, I can only deal with one country at a time. It's the same way I feel about following politics. I just, I can't, don't talk to me about Brexit. We have enough problems here. I can't do two countries. So one country, American scandals, you gotta have a limit. You can't be everything to everyone. So there you go. And Thank you to all of our faithful listeners and fans who have just floored us with their messages of support and their ratings and subscribing. Uh, it really warms the cockles of my heart 
it to does. have we, such we appreciate a, so much warmth washing over me. Feedback. <laughs> uh, so much feedback. So many fans. Oh, there are too many of them. There ah. can never be enough of you. Uh, How dare no. I say that? No, we love you all. We all. Uh, well, all, they and I are eagerly awaiting your story, <gasps> yes. Casey. Okay, so um, it's so funny that you brought up the Real Housewives because this one, in a terrible, terrible way, has been associated with them. And I'm like, nope, not doing it. Just like not calling anything else blank gate. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. No. We will go by the actual name of the scandal and the issue. So this one has a double name. Um, today, we are going to talk about the Eaton Affair, also known as the Petticoat Affair. Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that I know this. <gasps> Yay! I love when I get to stomp you. Well, it indra- involves <laughs> some pretty kick-ass women, so I think you're going to be excited. So, here we go. Um, so... The, the um, scandal was named, so just, so the Eaton Affair, you'll learn why that comes up as the name. The Petticoat Affair never comes up in my story because I don't like that name. It doesn't, it, it yeah, anyway, um, but Well, petticoat, it makes me, yes. it makes me think of Petticoat Junction. Okay, what, what is that? Is that a movie? That is the, that is the sitcom that was about uh, three ladies who were just bathing in the town's water tank in the opening credits <laughs> and they live in a small whistle stop town and they get into hijinks. It's like a cross between Green Acres and the Andy Griffith show. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And I feel like the theme song was like Petticoat, Petticoat Junction. But I could <laughs> be making that up for I've been watching a lot of 60s sitcoms on Amazon okay. recently. Okay. Understand. Yes. Anyway, well, that um, is, yes, so- it does. So it does refer to the women's clothing of a petticoat. So the petticoat affair was named for that because um this scandal involved a bunch of women who were wearing petticoats at the time because that's what you wore gossiping about town and they caused all this <gasps> all this all these problems so um this scandal happened during uh andrew jackson's presidency so we're going back to the 1820s oh. okay. mm-hmm. um so a little bit backstory so jackson was inaugurated in march of 1929 so just in the uh, back half of the of the um decade um, and there was scandal already surrounding his presidency before he was inaugurated. So it had to do with his wife, Rachel. Um, during the campaign, this was a big, it was all the, all the um, mudslinging was really directed towards her, not him very much whatsoever. Um, Andrew Jackson had been a former army general and had fought in many wars and um, was that kind of he was sort of a, a guy's guy, as they say. We won't get into his politics. They weren't great. Weren't great. Little hint. Not such a fab. We don't. We don't. Even though he's proudly on our twenty dollar bill, we don't really think of Andrew Jackson as necessarily the best president, policy wise. Uh, he, he got an entire musical written about him called "Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson." <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. That seems on brand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, wasn't the inauguration the one where he was like, everybody in the country should come because I'm the people's president. And they trashed the White House and were yeah. rolling kegs of beer into parlors to just guzzle. 
Yeah. And, and not only the inauguration, but like the inauguration dinner, he actually postponed it. And then, yeah, opened up the White House. He was really well known. I believe that that was his second term that they like basically just threw this huge party. And um, he, yeah, he was just, he was just all over the place. I mean, he was just absolutely insane and did all sorts of terrible things to the nation. Um, but he, uh, but yeah, he, and then this, his first inaugural dinner, they actually postponed because of this, um, this, this, this incident, like this drama that was caused. So the first one was, I was an absolute disaster. Just nobody was speaking to anybody. So the second one, I think by that time he was like, it's my second term. Fuck it. Let's do this. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, so he, um, so he, uh, the, during his first campaign, um, there was just tremendous mudslinging at at his wife Rachel. So Rachel had been married before um, to an abusive army captain. Uh, the couple had split long before she met Jackson, and divorced. Um, and Jackson, she and Jackson got married in 1794. So. But what happened is it turns out that her first husband was not just terrible at being a husband, but he was also terrible at paperwork and never finalized the divorce. So this all comes out ahead of, they like dig this up ahead of his, uh, during his campaign. And so it was just scandal after scandal. So it wasn't so much that she had been married before, but they started calling her a bigamist and said that they were in this, you know, this illegal and all this different stuff. So it was just a mess. And um, Jackson, for his part, never wavered in her support for her. He was like, this is just nonsense. It's obviously an honest mistake. We had no idea that he had never signed a piece of paper, that asshole, but we married in good faith and I don't have a problem with it. She doesn't have a problem with it, whatever. Can you imagine being Rachel Jackson and going, why is everyone fucking focused on me? Do you yeah. see what Andrew was up to? <laughs> Shut the fuck up about me. Well, that's the thing. So, so they were very much in love. Um, and all of these rumors threw her into this deep, deep depression. And right before he enters the White House in December of 1828, Rachel dies of a massive heart attack. So she never actually enters the White House with him, which a lot of people say if she had just still been alive, like he would have been such a better, maybe not a better president, but a better person. Because after that, he was just like, I don't fucking care. Like, I don't like whatever. And um, so she died. And Jackson at her funeral is quoted as saying, may God almighty forgive her murderers. I never can. Yeah. She, um, he had her buried in the, uh, in the white dress and shoes that she had actually bought for the inaugural ball. And her epitaph reads, a being so gentle and so virtuous, slander might wound, but could never dishonor. So let's just say he didn't really let it go. He basically blamed all of his enemies and the Democratic Party and the whole campaign on her death. He was like, you killed her. You killed my wife. It was that John Quincy Adams. <laughs> nope. Uh -uh. Nope. Nope. Ugh. 
So that's what that's what Jackson is bringing into the White House, and like so he's got some baggage around wives being slandered and marrying women that are you know it was already sort of like you're marrying a woman that's already been married <gasps> gasp mm. and he was like i don't okay whatever and um so anyway so jackson goes to washington and he proceeds the best he can at governing and he's got to appoint his cabinet right so one of his cabinet appointees is a man named john eaton um he's a former senator from tennessee and jackson names him his secretary of war um, earlier in 1829, Eaton had married a woman who causes quite a stir as well. Um, for a little bit of just context at the time, um, in, in this time in history, um, political wives represented just the purest of Christian America, and they're supposed to be pious and, you know, take care of the home and sort of a seen, not heard type of situation. Um, and they're the ones who really kept those crazy husbands of theirs from, from going off the path of righteousness. So there's this whole attitude and culture, particularly in Washington, that, you know, the, the wives of politicians must just be the most clean, clean, virtuous, not a speck of anything on their reputations. And all the wives of Washington kind of um, consider themselves the policing of that um because why not so um jackson's wife had been deemed immoral by by this society by the society women having been formally married and then the whole non-divorce thing um eaton's wife was put in the same bucket as far as the women were concerned um and apparently during the time too it was a very sort of matriarchal society i don't think i'm saying that right um so the men a lot of times when they said like, hey, why don't you just tell your wife, you know, like historians are like, why didn't they just tell their wives to, hey, we got to get on board, let's do this. The, they kind of couldn't. So the women would say, you know, this is not your area. You don't need to worry yourself with this. This is a matter for us to decide who is, you know, good enough to be a politician's wife. Um, and, you know, because why not? The women could be dragged through the mud, but their husbands were unaffected by this. So it did not reflect on their husband's reputation whatsoever. So the yep. women of Washington could hate your wife, but they were like, but he's nice. And yeah, like he's a good politician. Don't worry about him. So yeah, it was just this unbelievable double standards. Um, okay. So, so why was John's wife so, um, you know, just the worst of society. So Margaret or Peggy, um, who her friends referred to her as Peggy, she actually herself never referred to herself as Peggy. She always said, my name is Margaret. Um, yeah. So um, Margaret Peggy O'Neill was born in 1799 in Washington, DNC, DC, DC. There's that uh, liberal agenda. Woo! sneaks in everywhere be looking out be on the lookout people you never know they try and get it in everywhere and um, rest assured i'm gonna bring in the gay agenda <laughs> in a little bit because i have something very important to add once you tell me about peggy o'neill yay okay all right so um she is born in washington dc her father owns the franklin boarding house a boarding house is like an inn 
but a lot of times you also eat and drink there. And basically it was a place for politicians who say you were from Illinois and the Senate was in session, you needed a place to stay and not everybody could afford to like own a home in Washington or live in Washington. You traditionally went to Washington for the session of Congress and then went home um, and travel to and fro in the 1820s was obviously not as expeditious as hopping a flight from Chicago to, to, uh, to Reagan. And um, so it took some time. So you, you usually stayed, single men usually stayed at these um, boarding houses. And so you'd have a big group of men staying there. Um, so the fact that her father owned a boarding house was the first strike against her. She was already deemed sort of a lower class. And she actually worked in the bar or like in an area of the boarding house in her childhood, which her family owned. So heaven forbid. So what a, a woman working in a bar, you know, they only nope. get up to trouble. They can't help themselves. They just... How could you, it's just, they're clearly, oh my gosh. So, mm. uh, so that's strike two. Strike three um, was she actually spoke to the guests. <gasps> well, she's asking for it. I know, I know. So, I mean, she interacted with people that she was serving dinner to. I mean, she just she's got it coming then now, that actually is the fastest way to reduce your tip if you were overly friendly to me at a restaurant <laughs> like the guy in atlanta who said uh, can i get you something to drink and oh casey mink and i were like oh just two waters for now and he was like oh, hydration station oh, stopping nope. off for two no 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 and his name was mark and he was like Oh, I signed the credit card. And he was like, are you Mark? And I said, yes. And he said, so am I. Give me back my name. You stole it. Nope. Nope. Hard and I was no. like, oh, You're no. You're like, give me back that no. check. Why? I'm taking some off. <laughs> Hydration station. Never forget. Oh, so the, I. Yes. The first two There's points are insane. <laughs> However, if she's engaging with the guests, that does need to be addressed in a serious manner. <laughs> Let's make sure that she's, you know, keeping it to what can I get you, sir? Yes. Your Don't take him to hydration station. I'll be right there. Don't take him down hydration railroad. That's not no. what we're going for. Mm -mm. <laughs> no. Mm -mm. Um, then the, uh, the next strike was that um, she'd actually as well as same as Rachel had been married before. So she got married at like 17 to this Navy captain and, oh my gosh. So um, Peggy actually marries Eaton um, after her, her husband's death. Um, and she starts racking up more strikes. So first off, she marries Eaton just eight months after her husband's death at sea. Not the requisite one year that you need for ladies, but don't worry, men, you could get married in six months. But the ladies, they needed to wait a whole year. So <gasps> the impropriety, Mark. Oh, just can't even. Um, so this actually sparks more rumors that either the couple had her husband killed so that they could have an affair and get married, 
Yeah. Um, or that he killed himself because he heard this rumor that they were having an affair. Um, they weren't, they were all mutual friends. Uh, Eaton would take her out while her husband was at sea, but there was absolutely nothing going on. And um, he didn't kill himself. He died of pneumonia. So yeah, just wild rumors. Um, but when really- I hear that, <laughs> I think AIDS. <laughs> so. They didn't, they really died of pneumonia. You're like, mm, did they? <laughs> did they though? It is Pride Month. Um, but really one of the biggest strikes against Peggy is that, um, she was smart and educated and cultured and beautiful and not afraid to speak her mind. So she had opinions. Run her out of town. <laughs> she had opinions and she wasn't afraid to share them. And she'd formulated some of those opinions when she was, you know, interacting with all these politicians in the in the bar and said, oh, that's an interesting policy. I think you should do it this way and you should really include women and you should really think about it this. And they, and the men were like, that's interesting. That's a good point. And the women were like, mm -mm, no, no speaking, stop it. No opinions for you. Yeah, so um, lots of people in Washington and mostly a lot of the, like the basically the unmarried husbands or like, oh, sorry, unmarried husbands, but um, either widowed or um, just single men really liked Peggy. They said her company was really fun. She was this great musician. So she played the piano and, um, and she was very conversational and no one ever reported of like, you know, and she was really flirty or anything like that. She never, that was not her reputation among them. Um, Andrew Jackson really liked her. He really encouraged the couple to get married um, and refused to fire Eaton. So he, he names him Secretary of War and people are like, don't do it, don't do it. And all these rumors start going and the women start chattering. And apparently one time he's like, you need to fire him now. It's like, this is too much. And Jackson hollered back and said, do you suppose I have been sent here by the people to consult the ladies of Washington as to the proper persons to compose my cabinet? Oh, mm -hmm. I, I feel like the ladies of Washington, D.C. in that era were the Fox News commenters of today. <laughs> Good one. Like I like the, that. The Janine like Kiros, <laughs> the Nancy Graces, the Greta Van Susterns. Yes. They're opening monologues where they just yell about, you're not really sure what. Yeah, like I'm picturing yeah. all of them just kind of trashy, but they're dressed nicely. Yes. And they're wearing like too much of whatever's in style. Yes. And they're just like sc hoarsely screaming at the men in their lives about what needs to be done. And the men are just like, I can't listen to this anymore. No. What has to happen? I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> fine, fine. If you, stop if you stop screaming at me, fine. You never have to speak to that woman again. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, she's gone. Yeah. I'll, Just, I'll sure. arrest her. Yeah. <laughs> she, you know what? She killed Rachel. So let's put her I in jail for that. I mean, she's clearly the one that killed Rachel. So that's, yeah. Um, so Jackson's niece at the time, who was acting as first lady because his wife had died, um, along with, it's spelled Florida, but apparently it's like Florida Calhoun. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the vice president's wife, absolutely hated her and were downright cruel. And everyone really followed their example. They were like the, the top two ladies in Washington. So whatever they did, everybody else did. Um, almost all of the women of Washington refused to attend parties where she was. So if they found out she was there, they were like, I'm not going. And they boycotted the presidential dinners. That's what postponed the inaugural dinner. Uh, they said, we're not going. And Jackson's like, well, you can't like, you can't just be men. Like my wife's going to be there. Like a handful of wives said like, sure, but not enough. Um, so, and then they also refused to visit her when she'd call on them. Like, she, so she'd go and leave her calling card and they just were like, no, which was a huge snub at the time. Like, you know, if someone called on you, you absolutely went to visit them. Yeah. And mind you, she is the secretary of war's wife. Like she's not nobody. Yes. Yeah. So um Jackson's niece went so far as one day they were riding a boat from you know Washington to whatever retreat they were going to and and the whole cabinet was there with their families and um she was about to pass out like and uh and Peggy comes up and says oh here's a handkerchief and something to drink and she said that she would rather be rendered unconscious than accept a favor from Mrs. Eaton what (laughs) yeah I was like okay you guys need to pump the brakes. Like she literally yeah, she did said nothing. That, she said that later, but I bet she took that water, that handkerchief in the moment. <laughs> that was what she told F- Florida, but she took it. Yes. <laughs> she drank that water. She sure did. Um, so, so Peggy, obviously like, like privately, Peggy was pissed and she vented to Jackson and other close friends. But like I said earlier, the men really didn't have a ton of power to sway the women. So they really couldn't do anything. Um, and so Pe- Peggy just decided she's like, fine, I'm just going to keep on keeping on. And she kept calling on people and she kept throwing parties and going to the white house and doing, she's like, well, okay, well, whatever. Um, so, and then there were other, there were a few that were, um, very kind to Peggy. As I mentioned, some some of them were, were single men. Um, one of them was Martin Van Buren, who was the secretary of state. He was a widower. Um, and so he had no horse in the race and could kind of, he was like, I don't have anybody chirping in my ear. Um, and he always said that he just really liked, she was lovely company and wonderful to have around. So he really liked her. Uh, Jackson really liked her. Um, and then the other one that was kind was William Barry and his wife, who uh, William Barry was the postmaster general. So he was also in the cabinet. Um, Jackson uh, was keeping track of this. So this did not go unnoticed in his mind. As I said, he very much, he liked Peggy. Um, and he really sort of this sort of pushed him over the edge to make some serious changes within his government to um, to sort of settle the score when it comes to Peggy. So by 19, yeah, so he's inaugurated in um, 1929, um, Eaton still in the cabinet in 1931. So they put up with this for a while, but apparently by 1931, things were getting out of hand. Um, the gossip was not stopping, the pressure to fire Eaton was not stopping. Uh, the people were saying, they were also basically blaming 
um, they were like, well, if he likes Peggy and he won't fire Eaton, then the morality of his government is called into question, which if the morality is called into question, all of his judgment is called into question. So he couldn't get anything done. Those were like, the days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If this was the immorality, oh God, Lord, mm. oh, help us. Um, so Van Buren gets an idea. So he starts calculating um, that it will be in his favor uh, to take this action. And Van Buren goes to Jackson and says, hey, there's a lot of pressure on you right now. Let me resign, which will start this chain of reactions where other people in the cabinet can then resign and you can start over and no one's worse the wear and everyone can kind of just walk away quietly and we'll all we'll all be fine and let's just give you a second chance and save your presidency. And so wow. they do, so he does and um, Eaton follows and every other cabinet member resigns, which is a big deal. That's basically the president's entire staff. Every other one resigns. And so you're thinking secretary of state, secretary of war, secretary, like all of that. Um, the key for Sutherland designated survivor one. Yes, that one too. He's out. I don't know what they do. <laughs> yeah. He, um, so all of them except for Calhoun, because he's the vice president. At this point, Andrew Jackson and Calhoun, or Jackson's just like, you are off my, off my good list, Calhoun. I cannot stand that you're being, that your wife is being so cruel to Peggy. Plus there were, there's like a sub, which we'll probably talk about. Um, there were papers that were floated around about Calhoun um, contradicting Jackson's invasion of the Florida territories and saying that was the wrong decision and then going public with that. And so there was, Calhoun was not really um, on the same team at this point. He had sort of, Calhoun had decided that he was, give, give him one more year and he's going to run for president now and Jackson will be done and he thinks he has the power and support. And he got a little big for his britches. Oh. Yeah. And then the other one to stay was William Barry. Um, Barry thought that it might, that um, or sorry, Jackson thought that Barry might be out of a job if he resigned because he had a few blemishes on his record. It wasn't so mm. um, And remembering his kindness to, Peg to Peggy, he said, no, 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 you, you stay on. I got you. You're fine. Um, so, and then he really restructures his whole cabinet. Um, and it was, it was for the best in general. Apparently his initial cabinet was a bit of a weak cabinet. Um, not only because of the Eaton affair, but some of the other members were just not necessarily able to get as much done as what he needed. So um, in the long run, it really did save his presidency and set him up for a second term. So it was good for- Well, what happened to Peggy? Okay, okay, thanks for asking. Okay, so- I don't care about the presidency. I know, move along. Um, we okay, know how so that turned out. Oops, we're gonna blow right past that. Um, Okay, so one thing imagine they, imagine how bad it would have been with the original shitty cabinet. I know, I know. I was like, oh, because I think what he had done is he kind of did a little bit of like what Grant did, whereas he was really loyal and he had this big military background. So he named a lot of people that had served with him and done, you know, done nice things yeah. with him or been close in the campaign rather than people who necessarily knew Washington. So, um, but I I don't have a ton of details on that. Like entourage. <laughs> Exactly. 
Exactly. I don't know why he ended up with those people in the end either. I'm like, you need to think about it. God, remember when Entourage was a thing? I watched oh God, like two seasons of that thing. in a weekend. It was huge. I bet it holds up. <laughs> what? A show <laughs> about four straight white men who get rich and somebody yells at all of them? What? And you think so? Yeah. No, I think it holds up. I'm going to check it out. I'll let you know. Okay, report back. Um, uh, Peggy, yeah. tell me about okay, Peggy. Okay, sorry, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Hang on. First, let's get to Calhoun. So this is really the end of Calhoun. Um, Jackson does not forgive him for the poor treatment of Peggy. He drops him from his re-election ticket and um, really started to cut him off and basically relegates him to Southern politics for the rest of his career and pulls him out of national politics. Who does Jackson point appoint uh, as vice president for... The second term, one Mr. Martin Van Buren, who then becomes our eighth president in four years later. So he really ruins Calhoun's career and makes Martin Van Buren's really based on their treatment of Peggy Eaton. Um, so be careful what you do, gentlemen. Um, so John Eaton, Eaton made it out okay too. He went on to post as governor of Florida Territory and ambassadors to Spain. He and Pe Peggy were married for several years after this, um, very, very happily. He died in 1856, leaving Peggy, who was 57 at the time, with a substantial estate. He was quite wealthy. Um, so Peggy did okay. She was, she was doing her thing, traveling, going around town. Um, and three years later, she remarried. Um, this time, yes, this time to her granddaughter's 19-year-old Italian dance teacher yep you know what all those washington wives were right about peggy it just took <laughs> that long for it to come up isn't that so funny um so good for her she got I you know. know what when you're rich you can pay for exactly the pleasures that you want i know right so um six years into their marriage um Antonio, who was her husband, uh, ends up, um, yeah, the marriage was okay, but uh, Antonio ends up running off to Italy with her granddaughter, who was her, his dance student. Um, Peggy was kind of okay with this. She said, she said, yeah, I was never really in love with my third husband. My heart um, is in the grave with John Eaton. So she wasn't super into it, but I think she was like, oh, a companion might be nice and whatever. So the marriage didn't go great. I don't think she was that excited. Six years later, he runs off with her granddaughter and ugh. Peggy finally divorces him um, in 1869. However, not before Antonio has essentially robbed her blind. So he has been oh, siphoning no. off money for him and his and her granddaughter this entire time. So um yeah. So Peggy ends up dying um 10 years later at a home for destitute women in DC. So she oh. dies penniless, penniless and alone. I know. Um some say that she got the last word because she was like she outlived everybody else who was involved with the Eaton affair, but I don't know if that's mm. really, I don't know if 
that's my takeaway. I felt so bad for her. Well, like Antonio. Here's how she won. And here's where the gay agenda comes in. Okay. Years later, in nine in the 30s, Mm. she would be she would be portrayed by Miss Joan Crawford in the motion picture, The Gorgeous Gorgeous Hussy. Okay, so that was my last line that the legacy that we got from all this is The Gorgeous Hussy in 1936 film starring Joan Crawford and Robert Taylor. The cover art Which looks is, fantastic. I've never It's seen apparently it. terrible. I, I know it's hard to believe a period picture with Joan Crawford would be bad. Uh, I've never seen it. Okay. okay. It's one of the few famous Crawfords I've never seen. Okay. Okay. But you know what? Maybe we'll start a movie club based on yes. this. Oh my gosh. I love hey, it. Hey, listeners, yes. would you join with us? I'm sure they would. They'll I'm follow sure us they anywhere. Would. Of course. Um, yes. So that is the story of the Eaton Affair, also known as the Petticoat Affair, which is how you might have learned it in your history class. Uh, I didn't because I took history in public school in Texas. So we watched a lot of movies. Okay. That, that makes sense. Uh, I learned out. about. I'm surprised World that, that Jackson I, wasn't front and center in that shenanigan. Uh, no, because there weren't any movies about him. That's true. I guess we didn't have Texas yet, so that was a whole different thing. Yeah, uh, but mm-hmm. then I learned about World War II watching Patton. Oh, okay, okay, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, World War One was all quiet on the Western Front. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No inaccuracies on either movie, by the way. They're completely 100 no. historical. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and. Let me guess. Was yeah. uh, Vietnam the? Uh, why can't? Why am I blanking on the name? I don't even. Come on! I love the smell now, of the apocalypse. Now there you go. Okay, I was gonna do the uh, line. I don't know that we really. I don't know that we really covered. Okay. The Vietnam War. <laughs> I mean, why? There's no. There was no historical takeaways from that. So you're all set. <laughs>